Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode, part of the Ham and Egg News series, recorded February 17th, 2017, titled, Stop Science and Medicine Because Bible. Slavery, not so bad. Hello everyone, welcome to Apologia and this week's Ham and Egg News. You know, I started this channel to calmly and rationally talk about science claims. And then came this answers news thing, and I'm finding my calm demeanor melting away and my blood pressure rising. This can't be healthy. Hi, welcome to Answers News for February 13th. Is that the date? February 13th, I That's think right. it is. That's Tomorrow's yes. Valentine's Day. You know how this Bodie Hodge spent Valentine's Day? Getting fruitful with Ken Ham's daughter. Yep, Bodie is Ken's son-in-law. He was engaged in marital bliss in an effort to send more of Ken Ham's genes into the next generation. Enjoy those thoughts. And you know how we're dealing with this Monday Mountain Dew and coffee. <laughs> That's how we're getting through this. Good thing you guys aren't Mormons, because Mormon Jesus doesn't allow caffeine, even on a Monday. Um, today, because it's been and a And Ken's week. not here with us today. I know. Oh, well, that means... <laughs> That means we can get rid of the blah, 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 because now we can spend more time talking about things that we want to talk about. Look how happy they are with Ken gone. Just saying. From the Atlantic, is AI, meaning artificial intelligence, a threat to Christianity? So back a few years ago, um, Pope Francis at that time had said, if there were Martians, we could baptize them. Wow. What's the problem with that? They do not like Pope Francis declaring evolution to be true, saying that climate change might be somehow influenced by human activity, allowing that homosexuals could be Christian, trying to baptize aliens. Right. You have to be part of the human race to be eligible for salvation. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ became a man. He became a descendant of Adam to die for us. Right. Uh, he didn't die for Martians. If there's, right. You know, come on. Harry Potter can't just turn himself invisible. He needs a special cloak. I mean, come on. I don't know if you remember Knight Rider. Right. You oh, know, yeah. you had Kit and you had Carr, and, <laughs> and you know, they had, you know, like right. human like personalities in there. I must say it's an extremely clever plan, though. Must have been Mr. Miles' idea. Oh, Kit is definitely going to hell. But it's, it doesn't have a soul. Artificial intelligence mm -hmm. isn't made in the image of God. It I don't believe that humans have a soul, let alone an artificial intelligence. The existence of some aspect of a person that transcends our physicality has never been demonstrated, nor is it even logically coherent. Consciousness, as far as can be tested and determined, is merely an emergent property of our biological brains. As such, it seems inevitable that at some point the consciousness will also one day arise as a property of software. But that's not what's interesting here. It doesn't come from Adam. It doesn't have a sin nature. Um, could it do things? Could it sing? Could it? Sure, it could do all those things, but it's not redeemable, so to speak, mm -hmm. in that sense. There's nothing to redeem it from. It's not a sinful thing, you know, in the sense that it's um, inherited that sin nature. What Georgia is admitting here is that humans could make an intelligence that doesn't have what she would call a sinful nature. 
I wonder if she means that such an intelligence wouldn't engage in the same sinful activity that humans do, or if she means that an AI performing a human sinful act, be it murder, lying, lust, or stealing, wouldn't be held eternally responsible for such an act. Again, since I don't subscribe to the idea of a soul, I treat such internal to Christianity topics as the same kind of intellectual brain teacher as the comparative strengths of Superman and the Hulk. But what ifs can be fun and enlightening. Do you think there will come a day when we begin to hold autonomous AI entities to be legally responsible for their actions? Or will they be more like animals, where dangerous ones might be put down, but never really face a jury? Alright, the next one comes from Arizona State University, and it says, Center for Evolution and Medicine hosts talk on how human-animal commonalities can be used to diagnose, treat, and heal. If you're looking at mammals, okay, our, our bodies are designed very similarly, so it makes sense that we might be susceptible to the same kinds of things. I'd just point out that while I understand their common designer argument, it's actually a very dangerous assumption to make for a medical researcher. Assuming evolution, the researcher should have confidence that organs in all mammals are adaptations of the same organ in a common ancestor. If all a researcher is going on is, sometimes the designer used the same parts, but there's no reason to limit them to such things, then your confidence in those similarities has to be tentative. In practice, I think all researchers proceed from a place of, maybe we're the same, maybe we're not, anyhow. But it is the common designer proponents who have less certainty. But the whole idea behind this this talk and this book that this person wrote and everything is basically to say that we need to start um, talking, the physicians need to start talking to the veterinarians more and they need to kind of have that evolution understanding to understand why both these organisms have these diseases that they do. Regardless of what you believe about evolution, it seems like open dialogue among different scientific disciplines for the purpose of adding insight seems like it would be a positive thing, wouldn't it? Right, and of course the ultimate answer is because of sin. We're in a sinkers and broken world. Welcome to the Answers in Genesis Medical School. In this two-day seminar, each of you will earn an MD and a license to practice creation medicine. This is a matter of life and death, so pay attention. Cancer is caused by sin. Pregnancy is caused by sin. Broken bones are caused by sin. Herniated discs are caused by sin. Any questions so far? I can only imagine if House MD had been written by Answers in Genesis. Every single episode, the patient is cured when House finally discovers the patient's dirty sin. Easy. So here's what evolutionary medicine should be. Let's just watch it, <laughs> see what happens, and let it do it, do it yeah, on its own over millions, millions of, of years. years. You understand nothing, Bodie Hodge. Nice straw man. But even if that was accurate, we'd still be finding actual solutions to actual problems ahead of your sin diagnosis. For anyone unaware, evolutionary medicine is a term used for applying knowledge gleaned from evolutionary theory to understanding health and disease. This methodology is directly credited for a long, long list of breakthroughs, including cancer research, autoimmune diseases like AIDS, sickle cell anemia, Alzheimer's, and so on. This is the kind of research that you and your six literal day ilk are trying to keep from humanity, and to prevent your children and grandchildren from in any way contributing to. Believe whatever kind of ancient book nonsense you want, but any step of your science-denying ignorance into this realm should be met with extreme backlash. Uh, but you see, what they're trying to do is they, they understand you have to have design, you have to think about these things, you have to think through it, right. which is actually more of a Christian worldview. They're, they're actually borrowing it from Right, us. they are, they are, absolutely. <laughs> Medicine is borrowing from a Christian worldview of design? This delusion is so thick. Medicine assumes nothing about design. If we were designed, probably more medicine would be intuitive. No, medicine looks only at cause and effect. It operates in the real world where consequences can be intended or unintended, 
You think we're in a fallen world with imperfect because of sin bodies anyhow. How would it be helpful to imagine a hypothetical once upon a time design rather than concentrate on the real bodies we actually have? People have been practicing medicine for a long time before mm-hmm. Darwin ever showed up on the scene. In the book of Proverbs, it talks about medicine. You know, right. I mean, we, we have incredible examples going yeah, all that, the way mm-hmm. back to, sure. to Moses and things like that. But Shall we point to Moses' writings in Leviticus 14, instructing the leprosy be treated with a mixture of freshly killed dove blood, yarn, and bark, applied to the skin with a live bird? Or maybe we should jump to the New Testament, where Jesus called handwashing unnecessary. And he actually has a DVD on this particular topic called Modern Medicine and Ancient Authority. Oh, surprise. Something for your audience to buy. Um, and really, from an evolutionary perspective, why why give people medicine, right? Survival that, of the right. fittest, right? Why should you even do that? That's that right. makes sense from an evolutionary perspective. Yeah, from an evolutionary perspective, you get sick, die, get out of the way, right. so something better can yeah. evolve. You know, so. it's... Survival of the fittest is an observation, not a philosophy. What well, could be a philosophy, but it's not one that is necessarily held because of an acknowledgement of our common ancestry. We evolved to have selfish empathy. We want to help others to live longer in greater health and in greater comfort. Do you know why? Because we ourselves want to live longer in greater health and in greater comfort. And do you know why? Because this is the one and only life that we know we have, so we want to maximize it. Christians believe that life on this earth is terrible and fallen and a mere audition for a second perfect life to come. It's a Christian that has no reason to take or give medicine. In fact, I've actually heard Christians say that it's okay to withhold medicine or food or water to unsaved people because they're just going to hell anyhow. Do some research on your precious Mother Teresa. This is exactly the kind of thing she did all the time. A Christian should have no reason at all to take medicine or prolong their life. They should be in a huge hurry to get to the next world. But guess what? Most Christians cling to this raggedy existence. And why is that? Because they're borrowing from an evolutionary perspective, and I think they should stop. They borrow from a biblical worldview. Right. And, really and you know that. what? I, I want to encourage evolutionists to continue to borrow yes. uh, from a biblical <laughs> worldview. Um, because if I go to a doctor, even if it's an evolutionary right, doctor, you want you know? to... I want you to meet some parents who live in my city, Bodhi. These parents held to a strictly biblical worldview when it comes to medicine. When their 19-month-old son, Ezekiel, became sick with meningitis, they refused to take him to the hospital, treating him instead only with prayer. As you can possibly guess, this story ends with the death of Ezekiel and criminal charges against the parents. I've had some pretty intense and intimate experiences with cutting-edge modern medicine over the past few years, procedures not even imagined eight years ago. Moreover, it turns out I'm the beneficiary of a genetic mutation. So I can confidently tell you that I want my medical personnel to be methodological naturalists. Christian medicine is taking two Tylenols and saying a prayer, then thanking the prayer when the headache goes away. All right, so this next article comes from Forbes, and the title is Adam and the Genome Offers a New Approach to Counter-Creationism, Professing Christians that Believe in Evolution in Millions of Years. Yeah, really what they're doing, they're taking the the evolutionary origins account, Mm -hmm. uh, which comes from the religion of secular humanism, atheism. That's their origins account. They're bringing it over, and they're trying to mix it with their Christianity. Is that like in 600 BC when the Babylonians conquered Israel and they took their own existing Enuma Elish creation myth and mixed it with Genesis 2 to make a brand new Genesis 1 that we have today? No? Nothing like that? No, okay. And they come over and say all the people in the world descended from Iraq. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's really their position now. Yeah, well, they're and they're not going back quite that far, but they're yeah. going, they're saying it was from a population of humans that left Africa roughly 50,000 years ago. And what got me... I and mean, if you go that, back far enough, it's a rock, yeah. right? Pody, pody. 
how inaccurate does your straw man have to be for Georgia to be the one correcting you and pulling you back? If the purpose of your show is to giggle at ideas you don't understand, along with an audience who also giggles because they don't understand, then you're on the right track. But if you'd like to engage in serious discussion, putting your ideas up against the best ideas out there, you've got a long way to go. You don't need to agree with the other ideas, but you should at least understand them. Genetically, as a, as a geneticist, was... Okay, I guess you've made your choice. Giggling in ignorance it is. And obviously they've read absolutely no research that Young Earth Creationists have produced yeah, and published. And that's what gets me really upset because they refuse to engage with the research that we have produced. Okay, now keep in mind here that Georgia isn't upset at atheists, but Christians. Christians who also believe God created the universe and everything we see. Mm -hmm. So that's not the point. That's not who you're supposed to be refuting. You're supposed to be dealing with no. the arguments that we have produced. Well, think of this. Entitled Tantrum Aside, is it at all possible that even fellow Christians have taken a look at the material answers in Genesis produces and decided that it didn't have enough scientific merit to bother addressing? The Biologos website has whole pages on bad arguments from AIG that Christians shouldn't use, so you know that they know about you. If it makes you feel any better, you're being ignored based on the merit of your arguments. Theological problem too. If there are people, part of the human population mm -hmm. today, who are not descendants yeah. of Adam and Eve, that means they're not sinners. Yeah. While I typically avoid specific theological positions here, I will say that in my own life I came to the same conclusion that Bodhi presents. I know that many Christians find a way to interpret the Bible while still acknowledging evolutionary processes, and while I completely respect that opinion, I couldn't adopt it personally. Once you start abandoning a belief in Adam and Eve, and a literal, literal Adam and Eve, literal fall, what does that lead to? No literal gospel. <laughs> I mean, it does away with the purpose of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once again, we agree. That's the conclusion I came to as well. It becomes more of a workspace gospel. Um, Christ was the example, and we need to be more like him. You know, we need to earn our salvation. Or, more practically, that there is nothing we need salvation from. Uh, they're saying you have to reinterpret this stuff. You can't take this stuff literally. Yeah. Uh, they're saying the man is formed out of the dust, while the woman is formed from removing a rib from the man. Um, they're, they're saying all oh, the snake talks. Mm -hmm. Really, in one sense, they're, they're, they're mocking the account. They are. Again, remember that these are believing Christians talking to believing Christians. If I were Bodhi, I'd giggle here. I'm thinking, how different is that from the rest of the Bible? You have a talking mm -hmm. donkey. You have people who um, don't, women who give birth way after their reproductive mm -hmm. age. You have people rising from the dead. Virgin birth. So, I mean, there's all sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, I mean, so it. it's like, well, these things are unbelievable in Genesis. Well, then what about the rest of the Bible? Super good question there. What is the difference? Yeah. And, that's, and that's exactly what we're saying is because mm -hmm. it's so foundational. If those miracles aren't true, then maybe none of the rest of it's true. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure everybody knows about this resource. Oh, hey, another book to buy. From Science News, snooze patterns vary across cultures, opening eyes to evolution of sleep. Okay, wake up. Oh. But they tried to then basically talk about these patterns and compare them, of course, with primates, you know, our closest evolutionary ancestors and how we've shifted over evolutionary time. <laughs> and, you know, so our patterns are different from those of chimps yeah. or, yeah. you know, big deal. B I mean, yeah, big picture. Here's what's going on in the evolutionary worldview. They're trying to replace a Christian worldview. Right. From a biblical viewpoint, we have a basis for sleep. God made us. We do. Hold on. Hold on. Are you about to argue that the need for sleep is explained only in the light of the supernatural? Are you about to say that there's no natural explanation for sleep? One of the fundamental and most directly biological things that our bodies do? 
Do we need God to account for blinking or breathing or our hair growing? Now, all this is kind of pointing to that ultimate rest we have in Christ. Right. You know, so I mean, there's some brilliant theological reasons for this. But in a secular viewpoint, why rest? Right. Why, why sleep? Why rest? Why sleep? Uh, biological need? Time for regeneration and restoration across all our cells and organs and functions? Time for mental refreshing, the conversion of short-term memories to long-term ones, and the clearing of adenosine buildup in our brain? Maybe even the evolutionary advantage of staying still at night? Why does our body have to stop and shut down? Right. Yeah, what kind of bad design is that? For National Geographic, Darwin's theory of evolution roiled U.S. on eve of civil war. So this is basically trying to make a connection between Darwin's origin of species and the civil war. I was planning to just skip this one, because generally any story about Charles Darwin, the man, leads to ad hominem slurs. No perceived flaw in Darwin's character would say anything about the truth of his theory. Or argument from consequences. Possible ramifications of an idea have no bearing at all on the truth of the idea. Georgia and Bodie indeed went there, and I'm going to skip those parts, because they're silly and uninteresting. Feel free to watch the full Answers News episode if you like. But I found Georgia being a voice of reason again, which I encourage. And I found Bodie defending slavery, which I discourage. So basically the idea is that the, um, the Origin of Species, that book, basically both abolitionists and those that were racist um, supposedly found something to like um, in the theory of evolution. I'm not going to bother digging into this book's specific claims, but if the premise is that both sides were emboldened by the Origin of Species, does the book also address the direct testimony that both sides of the war were emboldened by the Bible? You know, if you look back in history, though, I mean, we've got a problem. You know, the, the mm -hmm. things that were roiling up, getting ready for the Civil War, uh, were already starting to break loose right. about the time uh, that uh, Darwin released his book in 1859. Mm -hmm. Now, even though the discussions were going on over in Europe during the Civil War, people in the States were busy having a Civil War. Right, right. You know, so, I mean, things were already in place. And I know people have been trying to rewrite a lot of history. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll give you some credit here, too, Bodie. It does seem unlikely that the generations long build up to the Civil War in mostly illiterate America would have been significantly informed by an obscure science book in Europe. Don't get me wrong. There were even some Christians who went the wrong route right, and were sure. trying to use the Bible to justify the type of slavery we sure. saw in the United States or in the mm -hmm. UK. Uh, the big problem with that is there's a difference between what's, what's outlined as biblical slavery and mm -hmm. this harsh slavery. Ugh, I am already exhausted from this. I know this biblical slavery was just servitude is a narrative for Christians to appease themselves, but the truth is that the Bible never condemns the owning of humans, and certainly seems to be fine with it, with even some God-commanded slave-taking in the mix. I acknowledge that there are mental gymnastics that can be made on all this, if you're so inclined, so I'm just going to respond by reading a few verses directly, and people can look up the context and judge for themselves. Very similar to what happened to a lot of African Americans They ended up in the United States. Now, biblical slavery, when they came out and Moses outlined slavery, it was totally different from anything like that. Leviticus 25, 44 to 46. Your male and female slaves are to come from the nations around you. From them you may buy slaves. You may also buy some of the temporary residents living among you and members of their clan born in your country, and they will become your property. You can bequeath them to your children as inherited property, and you can make them slaves for life. But you must not rule over your fellow Israelites ruthlessly. 
you voluntarily went into slavery uh, with a richer person to cover your debt. They took care of you. You got paid a wage. It may not have been equivalent to a modern-day mm-hmm. minimum wage, but uh, you learned to trade. You had a place to stay. All those types of things right. going on. For six years and on the seventh year, seventh year you were released. Right. And so you could get back on your feet. Exodus 21, 2-6. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife when he comes, she is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, this woman and her children shall belong to her master, and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and my children, I do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. What happened, though, with slavery, you know, with a lot of the African-Americans was it was a very harsh form of slavery. Right. It was a life debt. And, uh, you know, you were put into it and you can't get out. And, right. I mean, it, it was pretty so it was it's a lot very different. different. Exodus 21, 20 to 21. Anyone who beats their male or female servant with a rod must be punished. If the slave dies as a direct result. But they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two since the slave is their property. This book might be interesting in that sense, but it's really not. It really has nothing to do with the Civil War and, um, and again, very incorrect beliefs about Darwin. You correctly identified incorrect beliefs about Darwin. I'm calling that a win. Yeah. All right, so live science. Newfound gecko species jumps out of its own skin. So okay, this, now this is cool. This one's cool. <laughs> this one's one of those really cool ones. And you can go online and look at the pictures. It's pretty <gasps> Wow. Uh, kind of freaky. <laughs> Here's the summary. It's the same summary for all of these stories. A newly discovered species has an interesting ability. Scientists wonder and speculate how the ability evolved. Answers in Genesis gets their feelings hurt, insisting that God made it. So that's one of those cool, fun, yay, articles. All right, well, so... We, we only have a couple of minutes left. So. Well, let's, let's finish. We can do okay. this one. Let's finish this let's one. Nature.com, um, what would it take to reach the stars? So they want to not just reach, like, within our own solar system, but they want to go to Proxima B, which is a planet around Proxima Centauri, which is about 4.2 light... 4.22 light years that's away. That's right. Um, that wouldn't be easy, would it? No, <laughs> not even to be Because we able can't to- go it. At the same speed as the right. Millennium Falcon, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> to throw it's... some Star Wars humor in. That's not Star Wars humor. What do you mean they blew up the Death Star? F- oh, f- f- who's they? What the hell is an aluminum Falcon? That was Star Wars humor. But why do this? I mean, why spend billions of dollars doing this? Because there might be what out there. Well, in the secular world, they're looking for life. They're looking they want, for life. Because yep. Earth cannot be unique in their viewpoint. Even though the Bible says the Earth was created to be inhabited. Okay, I've completely lost track of the number of areas of science in this episode alone, where Answers in Genesis would like us to halt scientific research because they think the Bible has already given them an adequate answer. Again, please, we can never have such people in charge of science. We're in a culture where people are crying out, hey, is there anything out there? And, and here's the Lord who came down to save us. Right. And they said, well, we don't want that. Maybe there's aliens. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're looking for anything except yeah. for God. That's what they're really looking at. So and that's a heart issue, too. It is. Yeah. That's what it always comes down to. So No, it's an evidence issue. I would grant you that humanity in general would like to feel some kinship with other species beyond the Earth. But we also have a strong affinity for the real. 
Most people are satisfied with imaginary friends for only so long. And then they go looking for the tangible. We are looking for something that exists. All right, well, we're going to wrap up here. See you later. Well, I see my work will not be done anytime soon. That was a whirlwind of information. Leave me a comment to let me know what you thought about any of these stories, particularly if you disagree with me on any point. If you'd like to make sure you catch my future videos, click on the subscribe button and turn on notifications. In the meantime, follow the science. Later.